When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zipline through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello everyone. Today I am chatting with Crystal, who is one of the amazing women behind Expecting and Empowered. Her sister Amy helps run it with her. For those of you that are not familiar with Expecting and Empowered, it is a website that combines women's health physical therapists, a nurse, doula, certified personal trainers, and more to help women thrive from their pregnancy journey through postpartum. They offer pregnancy and postpartum fitness guides, educational courses, and free information on their blog and social media. Crystal is a mom of three and is passionate about providing women the information they need to empower them to thrive physically through pregnancy, postpartum, and beyond. Through Expecting and Empowered and her physical therapy clinic, she utilizes her PT background to rewrite the narrative around women's health. Today, we are discussing ways that you can prep your body for pregnancy, during pregnancy, and for labor. Let's dive in. Just a little disclaimer before we start this episode. This podcast does not provide medical advice. The information on this podcast is for informational purposes only. No material on this site is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Good morning, Crystal. We're excited to have you today. So excited to be here with you guys. So today we're going to be talking about prepping your body for pregnancy and for labor and delivery. And I would love for you to start off with just talking about how you and your sister came together to create Expecting and Empowered. Like, what were you thinking and why did you create it? Well, I, when I started, so I'm a physical therapist, I treat orthopedic and women's health. So when I was in PT school, I took the women's health elective my last year of PT school, just like wanting to know what would happen with my own body. And every single day of this class, it was like a freaking jaw dropper. I was like, what? People don't know this? What? <laughs> like, I don't even have the choice to make like smart decisions about my own healthcare or my babies because I don't have the information. Mm. So in the US, there's like no information. Whereas in other countries, women are definitely supported a little bit better through this process. Mm -hmm. So that's where my journey began in this women's health role as a physical therapist. And then Amy, my sister, we've never had an idea to get into business together. We're like totally like it works for the business, two opposite souls. She is very <laughs> like uh, developing relationships, I'm like hardcore planning things out. 
So when she had this idea, I was like, it's like been done before, but it really (laughs) has been done before in the way that we did it. So we own a pregnancy and postpartum workout business. So the pregnancy one is really cool because you can predict what's going to happen in most pregnant bodies, right? We can predict the legs turn outwards, your abdominals stretch out. So there's a lot of things that can be avoided to have a more comfortable pregnancy. And then the postpartum one is like almost reverse engineered. That literally gets you back to where you want to be. Awesome. So what is your, just briefly, because we'll, we'll, we'll go on to the topic, but so if somebody goes to your website, what are their different options? Like, can they learn about postpartum workouts, pre-pregnancy workouts, nutrition? Like, what are the some of the things that you offer on there? Yeah. So on Instagram is where we do a lot of free content. Okay. So we're talking, like yesterday, we talked about bladder behaviors, mm. the important topics about like not peeing at night. We talk about hemorrhoids. We talk about sex during pregnancy. We talk about pregnancy and postpartum fitness, obviously. And then so on the website is those guides. And then also we do have a labor and delivery course that kind of so if you like what we're talking about today, that goes in way more detail in the course. Awesome. Okay, so let's start with pregnancy. If I am someone who's thinking about getting pregnant soon and you know I want to prep my body in the best way possible, what are some of the things that you think that I should focus on? Yeah, from a physical side, this is maybe even too in that preconception period. There are physical therapists, if you're having difficulty getting pregnant at first, called visceral therapists. So our organs function the best in certain positions. And they also should be able to kind of move around a little bit, sometimes due to sports injuries or previous traumas like a car accident, because that seatbelt goes right over that area. There can be where the organs aren't in the best position to actually conceive, if that makes sense. So our fallopian tube or one ovary could be higher or lower than the other, making it more difficult because obviously it is a very physical process to actually conceive. So visceral therapists would be somebody that you could talk to during that preconception time if you're having trouble. Also, there's a book called, it starts with the egg. Oh, this book. I recommend this book all the time. It's so good. It's done by a biochemist and it literally is so good. Like the tips in there, I actually, so when I listened to that book, I was like on the flip side and trying not to get pregnant because I was overwhelmed with three kids. Yeah. The tips in here are insane about pregnancy. Like So good. Things I never, I mean, as a person who had four children was like, oh, and you know, I only heard about this book when I was miscarrying after my third child. I had some miscarriages before I was pregnant with my fourth. And this book was like, I only ended up reading like half of it um, because I got pregnant and stayed pregnant that fourth time. Well, actually my seventh time because I had three miscarriages, but yeah, it's so great. It's so good. And I feel like it's stuff that we don't get information about. So again, such easy things to do. So like a couple of tips in the book are not handling paper receipts because there's different chemicals on them, warming up food and glass versus plastic, you know, all these things, because getting pregnant is kind of like a little chemistry project, mm-hmm. uh, a biochemistry project. So, so those tips in that book are awesome. So that would be a great resource for people. Yeah. Love that. So 
say you get pregnant. Now, what am I doing? And so I didn't even know about pel- uh, pelvic floor physical therapists until I think it was like after my second or third. And I, I really truly believe that everybody should be seeing one. What can we do to prep our pelvic floor throughout pregnancy and then for delivery? Because I feel like this is such a huge thing that people don't think about or know about. And I think it needs to be just relayed more often. I would really love if um, OBGYNs like, I don't know, sent out paperwork or something that talked to women more about this. Yes. So first to start, the pelvic floor is a diamond-shaped muscle at the bottom of our pelvis. The role of these muscles is to help support our organs. It also has a big role in sexual function. It helps create stability in our pelvis. So it creates not having back pain or one-sided hip pain. So it plays a big function. And if you've never thought about the pelvic floor, definitely during pregnancy is a time to start thinking about it. Any muscle whether it's a pelvic floor or your bicep, we need to be able to contract it and be able to relax it. So where this comes in play during pregnancy is if you ever see those little stickers on a belly and it's like, your baby is the size of a pumpkin. Your baby is the size of a watermelon. And you're like, Mm -hmm. what the heck? Who is holding (laughs) this thing up? And a lot of that pressure goes down onto your pelvic floor. So our pelvic floor has to be strong during pregnancy to be able to hold that. But actually during labor and delivery, the role of the pelvic floor is to get out of the way. So the only way that this works really successfully is during pregnancy. If you are both doing some exercises that help make it contract or like what people call a kegel. And then also if you're learning and teaching yourself how to relax it, because just like a lot of people store tension in their upper traps, you know, when you see people rubbing their necks or moving Mm -hmm. their head side to side, we store a lot of tension or energy in our pelvic floor. So sometimes people hold tone in their pelvic floor, just like sucking in a belly. And we need to be able to learn how to let this go because during labor and delivery, a lot can happen in a short amount of time. And I know with you, Lindy, you had prolapse with one of yours. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That would be an example of like being able to really relax the pelvic floor. And that, because if you're tightening the pelvic floor during labor and delivery, you're actually working against the uterus. The uterus Mm -hmm. is like freaking Michael Jordan of the team. The uterus will push the baby out, but the baby's got to be in the right position. That pelvic floor has to be out of the way. I mean, essentially you could just sit there and your uterus will do all the work and push the baby out. (laughs) It's so funny because some of the best advice I ever received was actually from my friend, Carla, who was like, Lindsay, I was preparing to have another unmedicated birth with my fourth. I had one with my third and I, I just felt like the recovery was, was much better but you know, you can plan and plan all you want, but things don't always go that way. But the the best thing she ever told me was you need to, you know, your body is going to do all the work for you. You don't need to be so incredibly tensed up. It's it's actually going to work. It, you know, it works against you. It works against what your body's trying to do. And so she always told me to like whenever I'm feeling a lot of pain, just to always focus on relaxing the shoulders downwards and just open up your your hands and don't have a fist. And I felt myself every time a contraction would come on, I would bring my shoulders up to my ears and I would like clench my fists and just like 
breathe through the pain. And I'm like, okay, I need to focus on like releasing my shoulders, releasing my hands. And it sounds really simple, but when you're in the moment, let me tell you, it is very, very difficult, (laughs) but it really, truly, I, I feel like it allows your body to do what it needs to do a lot faster because you're not fighting against what your body's trying to do, which is push the baby out. Totally. So yeah. to piggyback on that, I feel like there's three things you can really do to kind of relax your body when that pain intensifies to let your body relax more. So exactly what your friend said, relax your shoulders kind of down and back. Also relaxing your jaw. So the jaw, our throat is like a sphincter. When one sphincter tightens, they all tighten. So that relates to our pelvic floor. So if we can think about opening and relaxing our jaw, sometimes an easy way to do this is to actually press our tongue into the roof of our mouth. That helps the back of our jaw release. And then you could even use little moaning, moaning sounds um, during mm-hmm. delivery instead of high-pitched noises like, mm, 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 like that will help your jaw relax, which will help your pelvic floor relax. And then really linking that breath like that breath to the pelvic floor, breathing all the way down. When you take a nice diaphragmatic breath, that tells your phrenic nerve, which is one of our spinal accessory, or which is one of our cranial nerves, that our body is okay. So if we're holding our breath because we're in pain, which is very instinctual to do sometimes, our body is like getting a signal that we're not okay. So that breathing is going to help calm down our nervous system. It's also going to help relax and open our pelvic floor. Now, Crystal, let's talk about what, since we kind of dived into birth a little bit more and like the breathing exercises, can you explain a little bit more what a diaphragmatic breath is? Because I don't know if everybody understands exactly what it means to take one of those. And then can you dive in a little bit more about what we can do during the actual laboring period to make delivery a little bit more easy on our bodies besides, you know, breathing and doing the relax relaxation. Yes. So first to start with, diaphragmatic breath is a breath at the bottom of our rib cage. That's where our diaphragm lives. So the best way to like fully breathe in, what we want to do is make sure that that breath is 360 degrees. So in our back, our two sides and in the front. But during pregnancy, it's usually easiest and where most people breathe is in the front. Because if you think about it, everything's stretched out. So why not go there? It's the area to breathe. So during pregnancy, at the end of pregnancy, I really encourage people, even when they're like sitting at their desk for work or at home on the floor, like to get in a child's pose position, either using the couch or their desk at work, you're going to just lean forward, trying to breathe into your upper back, that mid back right by your bra line is really going to help bring breath into that area, helping loosen that up and making your diaphragm super efficient. So during labor and delivery though, you really want to focus on inhaling all the way in. When we inhale in and down to our pelvic floor, that inhale actually relaxes our pelvic floor. So nice, deep inhales. You can use imagery like thinking about instead of a flower being butted up, like contracted, Mm -hmm. thinking about that flower blooming and opening, or thinking about your sits bones widening apart as you breathe in. That's really Mm going to help that area 
relax or even to during labor and delivery, our pelvis essentially is a bowl. Like it really is a round circle. So when I breathe in, I can use imagery to think about breathing around the circle. There might be areas in the circle that are tighter. Most babies come kind of twist and corkscrew down the left side. So sometimes during labor and delivery, you're going to feel a lot of resistance in that imaginary circle around the left side. So really breathing into the spots that feel like they're tensing up or tightening up. Also during labor and delivery, we can think about the pushing phase when we think about getting that baby up and like around the tailbone, thinking about our pelvis front to back. So like from our nose to our tailbone, Mm -hmm. thinking about really opening or lengthening that space forward to backward. And you can do that with breath, really directing the breath to that area to help open that tissue. Is there any specific position that you suggest? I know this will vary depending on, you know, where the baby might be posteriorly or, you know, I had sunny side up babies, so my positions might vary from others. But do you have any suggestions on how to start laboring? So say somebody's at home, they start having contractions. Is there anything you suggest for them? You know, people will talk about curb walking, people will talk about, you know, doing all these different things, bouncing on a ball to try to get baby in the in a better position. Is there anything that you suggest? Yes. So the really cool thing is our body is really intuitive. So it's kind of going to do some of these patterns for us. But I feel like this is one of those jaw-dropping moments in that course or other women's health courses I've taken where people don't get this information. And I just feel like if they had some of it, labor and delivery could probably go a little bit smoother. There'd be less delays, maybe possibly less cesarean sections that are an emergency because baby's stalling. Mm -hmm. So this information is really important. So in Brigham Women's Hospital out of Boston, they have physical therapists literally in the room with you. Really? Other hospitals in the US have that, but they're kind of like a really gold standard. They are linked with Harvard Medical School. But the PTs are in the room for this very reason. And doulas do this as well to help you get your baby in the best position because baby has to move and mom Mm -hmm. has to move. So there's three kind of sticking points or you could call them hurdles, I guess, as the baby comes down. So we first have our pelvic inlet. That's where the baby enters the pelvis. So Often you'll hear physicians call out numbers during labor and delivery or the nurses kind of checking the station of the baby. But if you listen, those numbers will mean something to you and it can help cue you into what positions you should be in during labor and delivery. So that station would be associated with a negative three, negative two. So Mm -hmm. what we really, really want to do is go legs wide. We can be in nice deep squats in this position and we can rock backward and forward because that's going to help open the inlet. So it's going to it's like having a person walk through like a half closed door if you're not in the right position versus opening the door and saying, "Baby, come on through. Make this labor and delivery easier for me." So hugging a stability ball, kind of being like on your fours there, walking around. So staying upright and moving because we're helping the uterus contract and lower baby into the pelvis. And then the caveat of that is when you're not during contraction, sometimes resting. So even putting headphones on or a warm blanket or, you know, kind of rubbing something against your face, like to create a calming sensation because we want to go into energy conservation mode sometimes. So that's where 
in between the contractions, I would really be focusing on conserving energy. So you could lay down during that. But when those contractions are going on and you have the energy upright walking in the hospitals, they have those bars usually. And I don't know with COVID if people are walking in the hallways, but if you're walking Mm -hmm. in the hallway, you can use those bars to kind of squat down or you could use a hospital bed in there to like enter that deep squat. It sounds silly, but sitting backwards on a toilet seat would be another one. So then as baby moves down, the next spot it will get stuck is in between what's called our ischial spines. So this is the mid-pelvis. And to get this area to open, we want to move side to side in, in diagonals. That's probably where you saw that curb walking. And the physician will say, we're at a negative one, a zero, or a positive one. And people can do side lunges in this position. They can do a half kneeling in a lunge position. This is sometimes at the end of this part is where some people will choose to get epidurals and you can lay on your side with a peanut ball and you could have somebody take your top leg and roll it back and forth for you. Again, this is like that analogy of having the door wide open for baby to come Mm -hmm. in versus closed. And sometimes it's baby that messes up the dance between mom and baby. So like, let's say you hit a stall in your labor and delivery. One of the things like we keep having contractions and there's no progress. You're just staying, you know, at like seven centimeters. This is sometimes maybe where you would like want to like, I call it like dumping the baby or putting the baby back into position so that they can re-engage better in the pelvis. So how you would do this is a bear crawl position where your head's literally going towards the ground and your butt's towards the air or otherwise even like laying like on a board where your head's down feet are up. And again, this allows baby some space to kind of sink out of the pelvis because they chose like a poor pathway and then they can re-engage in the pelvis. And then usually this last position is what you hear the most about, but that's that pelvic outlet. So baby needs to come out. So that space in the pelvis is smallest front to back. That's why we're talking about that breath increasing or widening that space. So baby has to come Uh, like around the tailbone and tuck its little head and extend its head underneath the pubic bone to come out. So the best positions. And so for a person that has an epidural, ideally laying on your back sometimes will not be the best position for this. Because Mm -hmm. if I lay on my back, my sacrum is stuck against that table and my sacrum should be able to move during this part. So it can get out of the way a little bit. Additionally, our coccyx or our tailbone has an angle to it. So we're going to have to push baby up and over that tailbone. That's where you see a lot of these tailbone injuries happen in women because Mm. they had to lay on their back during labor and delivery. And that's not an optimal position to be pushing in. So if you do have to lay on your back, or sometimes I know medical teams are very assertive about, no, you need to lay on your back. We need to be able to check you. Even rolling up a towel and sticking it under one side of your butt or hip will help the sacrum have a little bit of wiggle room. Other position that if you had an epidural in is you could lay on your side and you could either use a peanut ball or have somebody hold that top leg. I could also use my upper arm and pull down on the hospital bed to create some kind Mm -hmm. of pressure down and help my abs. And then in this position as well, if you had an unmedicated birth, hands and knees, so quadruped is going to be a a really good position. And that's usually the position that most people want to almost deliver in. Mm -hmm. And then the only caveat too is you want to put your knees in, ankles out. That's going to help 
open up those pelvic bones to make it a little bit easier on mommy to deliver. Yeah, it's so interesting that you mentioned all of that. And I think it's really hard when you do get an epidural. I personally, I had an epidural my first and second. Both times it didn't work. It only took to one side. The second time it didn't work at all. And then my third, I just said, forget this. And then the fourth, (laughs) the fourth was a really traumatic, you know, got rushed in and had some issues. And so I ended up opting for, I I wasn't progressing. And I, I know personally that it was because I couldn't, my body couldn't relax. I was just really stressed out. And I recognized that about seven hours in and mind you with a fourth baby laboring for seven hours, like I'm like, Oh gosh, seriously? Like I didn't expect this. Like Like, this is crazy. (laughs) The second I got the epidural, the baby came out. So you know, it was just my body needed to relax, but it's hard once you get the epidural to figure out because they do, they make you stay in bed, which of course, safety, you have to stay in bed. You, you're not going to be able to use your legs as you normally would. And it can be really hard to, as you said, labor on your back. I mean, we're just not meant to labor and push out a baby on our back. I mean, you'll see it in all the shows and you'll see it in movies. Women are always on their back, I feel like, right? But it actually kind of goes against like how women typically deliver. When I delivered my my son who was without an epidural, I spent 99% of the time on hands and knees. Yeah. And I felt like, and he was my easiest delivery and all my babies were posterior. So I really think that position kind of helped him to be in the best possible situation to flip. And it was good because once I did push, I, I kind of flipped over onto my back to try to push him out as fast as possible because his heart rate was dropping and got him out in one push. But I, I swear it's because of the position that I was able to be in for the majority of the time. But even just getting up onto your side, like you mentioned, I think really helps a lot to kind of open things up. And you can have your partner like kind of like pull your leg up, you know, the one that's on top, the leg that's up on top, have them hold it up for you because it can be very hard to like keep it up or the peanut ball, you know, if your hospital has one. But I haven't like uh, the hospital that I delivered at had like regular exercise balls, but I don't know if they had a peanut ball. Do most of them carry them? It really varies hospital to hospital. So that would be something to ask at the hospital. The peanut ball is really nice because you don't have to control it going multiple different directions. Right. It just kind of stays there. So sometimes too, I would be asking before if you were delivering in a hospital, asking if they had one. Yeah. Most of them I feel like do though. So sometimes they might not give it to you in the room. So you might have to ask. Yeah. So let's kind of fast forward to postpartum. Now, what are some things that you can be doing? Like, do you suggest like starting any breathing exercises postpartum? Like, what do you suggest as far as kind of taking care of you once baby's already here? Yes. So first, whether it's vaginal or cesarean section, we want to start the recovery process. So just like any other surgeries, we would want to be resting. We can ice those areas, keeping the area nice and clean so that it doesn't get infected. And then we also want to make sure that we start slowly getting upright and moving. So one of the things that when I had all three of mine, I would do is my neighbors probably thought I was insane, but I would take (laughs) an empty stroller 
And that way that could help support my upper body a little bit. And I would just walk a little bit, you know, like to the mailbox and back. But during those like initial four weeks, we really want to focus on resting, but those small little movements will pay off. The other thing that I don't think people think about right away is that our brain literally needs to reconnect with our body. If you think about it, that baby was in there, it was creating some stability in our stomach, in our pelvis, in our back muscles. And once baby is gone, it's almost like Bambi being on ice. You it really is. Really <laughs> reconnect with your body. So some simple ways to do that are those breathing exercises where you're breathing all the way down. And it sounds kind of insane, but another thing to do is doing, I call them like quick flicks or like really quick contractions. But if I had a vaginal delivery, I can do really light contractions with my abdominals Mm -hmm. and light contractions, even with my pelvic floor. So maybe not a hundred percent contraction, but like a 30, relax, 30, relax. What that helps do is A, reconnect with your brain. And then B, it's also when muscles contract and relax like that, it's like squeezing a sponge. It brings new healthy blood cells into the area. So it expedites the process of healing. So really kind of like getting back to the basics or core function exercises, your abs, your pelvic floor, your back muscles. I love this little exercise. It's called a butt pencil. So literally imagining you have a pencil in your butthole and then you want to (laughs) imagine drawing a line up a line on the wall up and down and you'll really feel your low back muscles. You're like, dang, these have been stiff all of pregnancy, usually in most women. So really reconnecting with these areas are going to help expedite healing. It's going to avoid some major problems. Like some women get prolapse actually during the recovery period because they're doing too much, lifting too Mm. much, doing too much stuff, not asking for help enough. I have the hardest time asking for help. So I understand that, but I (laughs) feel like my third one, I really had it down. I let people do some things for me. But connecting with these areas is going to pay off in the long run so that you're not having incontinence or flatulence where you can't control farting, things like that. <laughs> or, like it, it happens to people all the time. Yeah, it does. Wait, so explain to me this butt pencil exercise again. Like what position am I in when I do this exercise? You can, do it. You can I can, I'm doing it right now. You don't need to do <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting, but you can do it in standing. You could do it in quadruped, but literally just imagine somebody's sticking the eraser side of the pencil into your butthole. And then you're thinking about drawing a line up. So I'm taking. So you're squeezing your glutes? I'm trying yeah, to do this. Yeah, so you're squeezing, squeezing <laughs> your glutes. And then you, you got to hold that pencil in there. You can't let it fall. <laughs> okay, so okay. You're squeezing your glutes and then you're almost arching your back, creating a little tiny arch in your back to draw that line up the wall. And then are you, holding it, are you holding it in contraction? So when you're doing it, do you hold at the top or do you just go right back down? I hold for a second and then okay. go back down. It should be a nice smooth line, Lindsay. Don't make it. Don't make it complicated. Don't make it like a zigzag line. <laughs> nice and smooth up the wall, down the wall. We know we have some pelvic floor asymmetries if your line is left to right, left to right. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, I just, I have an extreme interest in this exercise because I had a significant amount of tailbone issues postpartum 
twice with my third and fourth. And my glutes, let me tell you, my glutes were trash, like absolute trash. Like I would try to squeeze my butt together. Like as I'm doing this butt pencil exercise, I'm squeezing my butt and I've been working on the butt for a year. Okay. So this thing is like back to where it needs to be. But I can tell you after I had my third and fourth, I did not feel a thing when I was trying to squeeze my butt together. It scared the shit out of me. I mean, I would be sitting and I'd be like, oh, okay, I'm going to contract my glutes. Nothing would happen. It was terrifying. I was like, do I have glute muscles anymore? What the hell happened? And moms are always talking about flat butt syndrome. Yeah. No, it's a thing. It's a thing. You lose your butt postpartum. And I swear it's connected to everything else. So this exercise, you guys, it's truly important. I promise. (laughs) Not to go too crazy and technical on you, but when we lose our butt, what you're essentially doing is you're just slamming your pelvis forward to create some stability. You've lost all control. Like It's like a freaking toddler, like having five toddlers going nuts. Like When we slam our pelvis forward like that, we've lost all control because we're just Mm. trying to create stability in a system that doesn't have stability. So we then you want to really be working on actually lengthening your butt muscles. So like nice deep squats where I'm breathing in, mm-hmm. butt goes back in the squat. Um, but you want to lengthen the tissue so that you can start to strengthen it. Yeah. There's so many muscles in your hip. It's insane. Like oh, God, it's crazy. And I mean, I swear, I I just, I wish so much that for postpartum women that we had, you know, this mandatory appointment with, you know, like a pelvic floor PT that just went over all these different exercises that are really healthy for your, your pelvic floor postpartum, or, you know, even before you deliver, Hey, these are some exercises, a little handout that you can do, you know, after, you know, recover for a week or two, and then start kind of easing into some of these exercises that will really help your pelvic floor. Nobody told me this. And then after my third, I was like, you know, sidelined with this like terrible tailbone pain and like this absolutely destroyed pelvic floor because I didn't know anything about it. And I mean, I have a medical background still did not know anything about it. Nobody had ever told me about it. And I just felt like I was blindsided really, you know? Yes. That's where, honestly, our postpartum guide literally is like the rebuilding system. So it literally walks moms through day one after postpartum all the way through eight months because it takes that long or probably longer to heal from these babies. So it literally progresses you up. But the tailbone thing, I will tell you, Lindsay, sometimes all you need is to get your tailbone adjusted after baby. That's where you would want to see a PT in clinic it takes me sometimes one visit to fix those guys and people are miserable for years and all you'd need is a little finger, get that thing moving around. <laughs> little finger, a little lube. It's not that painful. Yeah. I actually, after I get them all very confused, but I think it was after my third, I had, I mean, it was severe. I swear I must've broken it or something. I don't know what exactly what happened, but I never, you know, got x-rays or anything because I was like, they're not going to do anything about it anyway. So I went to a pelvic floor PT like six months postpartum and she gave me a couple exercises and within like a couple weeks it was gone. Yeah. the I mean, the pain was like completely gone. Now I have tailbone pain because I'm an idiot and I'm trying to learn how to snowboard at age 36 and completely, <laughs> oh my God, like what kind of an idiot? What kind of an idiot does that? I, I don't know. I do. Oh and so I crushed my tailbone falling down the mountain this past winter. And now, I mean, even as I'm talking to you guys, it's on fire. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think. <laughs> where do you where do you live? We live in Connecticut. 
Oh, Connecticut. Okay, cool. Yeah. I, to, I went to PT school in Denver and we had some crazy injuries from oh, and skiers and stuff. So I bet. I know. It's like ugh, such an idiot. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 36, dude. That would not be the year that I would be taking up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going back into it this, this year. So we'll see what happens. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm feeling a little bit better prepared this year because I've been, you know, lifting a lot more. And I felt like I shriveled up into an elderly woman after I gave birth. It's like my muscles were wasted. I just felt like, I don't know. And and then I'm like, I, I need to start, like, I'm focusing solely on weightlifting. Like I need to like replace all of the muscle mass that I have somehow lost throughout the years. Like, I don't know what happened, but you do like, just like you were saying, like after birth, it's like, you're like this, like Bambi, it can't get their footing. Like that's, I mean, I felt like that was how my body was postpartum. And anyway, I mean, so do you guys have, you have courses, postpartum courses that people can take as far as workouts? Yeah. Yeah. So you, in the workouts, yeah, you get three workouts a week. And like you said, they're strength-based. Me and Amy both ran in college. So we were like cardio queens to the max. Yeah. And then pregnancy and postpartum hit us and we're like, oh shit, we got to do the... Oh, man, I have to edit that out. You no, no, no. Do- we don't edit this stuff out. You just keep going. <laughs> always telling me not to swear so we don't have to edit stuff. But anyway, (laughs) this is, Hey, as I told you in the beginning, this is laid back. This is, this is like, we're having a cup of coffee. Like I want people to feel like they're in the conversation. Okay. So I was like, oh shit, now I got to do the, the strength training stuff. But there's like my body literally needs the strength training. There's no workabout around it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, and I would like, what was it in between third and fourth? I was like doing orange theory and I, and of course back then orange theory really solely focused on cardio. It was like running and rower and running and rower and like 10 minutes on the floor. Okay. Yeah. Which now in hindsight, I was like, no, we need way more lifting. So yeah, I mean, I can't stress it enough. Like the strength training is just, it's so crucial to like gaining back your stability really. Like as a woman, like I I just feel like I'm better able to like handle day-to-day activities after I started doing that. But well, even carrying the kids around, carrying the car seats, carrying the Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is an enormous amount of strength needed. I'm still yeah. working on it. My kids are almost five, four, and three. Yeah, it's it's crazy. All right. So do you have anything you want to add to that front section? I have like probably close to a hundred questions. I'm just gonna pick a couple because you know, we've already chatted a lot, but you can just do rapid fire questions and I can try to answer them really short. Yeah, yeah. All right. So let me bring them up here. All right, you ready? Yes. All right. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Would love to know about stretches that I can do for prepping your body for pregnancy. Okay. So 
Um, what we want to do is lengthen our pelvic floor. So nice deep squats would help with that. Also getting some pelvic mobility. So cat cows are really helpful to get the pelvis moving because a uterus attaches to the backside of the sacrum. So the more that that sacrum or our pelvis is moving, the less pressure is on the uterus. So that will help during labor and delivery. And then also as our stomach expands, our obliques kind of have to pick up the work. So triangle pose and yoga is a great one for like stretching out the side body, getting some movement through your ribs and your upper back because that area too needs to be focused on before labor and delivery to strengthen and stretch out our upper back and next as well. Excellent. Could I have prepped or can I do any, can I do something now to lessen this hip pain I'm experiencing? I'm assuming she's pregnant. Is there anything she could have done beforehand or can she do anything now to help lessen hip pain? Totally. So there's small muscles in the hips. Some of the things that we can do are figure out which side might be weak or which side might be tight. And usually when somebody has extreme hip pain, one side is doing more of the work and one side's doing nothing. So what you want to do is rebalance that out. So either you could see a PT, they could give you direct things, but a really simple way would be to lay on your side, bend your bottom knee, keep your top leg straight, then have your partner try to press your leg down, pressing at the ankle. If it presses down to the ground, you're weak there. So one thing you could do is side band steps just to the weak side, you know, or you could do a circle band around your ankle and do some hip extension. I could also sit with the circle band around my ankle and rotate my knee in, ankle out. But really beefing up that hip area is going to help, again, because... If you're weak, what happens during pregnancy is that area is going to tighten. And then our hip muscles actually are kind of like a mirror image of the pelvic floor. So it also will tighten the pelvic floor. So really making sure that you have balance in the hips is so important for labor and delivery as well. Not just like being comfortable during pregnancy. Yes. Okay. Let's see. Do you have any tips for hemorrhoid prevention? Hemorrhoid prevention, well, hemorrhoids are a pressure problem. So making sure that you're supporting your body during pregnancy is probably the biggest one um, where we're working on strength. We're working on breathing all the way down during labor and delivery. That's a high pressure situation. So that's where you want to use that open glottis breathing or breathing out as you're pushing instead of what's called purple pushing where you close your mouth and really mm. bear down. Sometimes mm-hmm. you have to do that for a couple pushes at the end, like you said, with one of your kids to get baby out quickly. But we really want to focus on not having a lot of pressure during labor and delivery. So thinking about pushing a tampon out versus poop because those are actually different muscles. Reducing pressure during labor and delivery is going to be a huge help. Yes. Okay, let's see. Are there ways to prep your body for a repeat C-section before even getting pregnant again? Yes. So one of the things that you want to do is scar tissue manipulation. Anytime that our body gets cut into, even if it's just like a small scope surgery, there's scar tissue created. What scar tissue is is like the roots of a tree. It goes down deep into other areas. So we want to get that tissue moving, sliding and gliding. So what we'll do is take our hand and we'll start moving our C-section scar around. Our Instagram has lots of tips on how to do that. So you can see a visual, Mm -hmm. but 
that would be very important, even too for the conception of having that second or third child, because sometimes the scar can actually affect the positions of my ovary or mm-hmm. uterus. Because it's right there. The scar is right there. And then also make your abdominal muscles activate more. Uh, a lot of C-section moms um, have that like lower abdominal pooch because it's hard to get the muscles to activate after we've had them cut through there. So mm-hmm. that scar tissue mobilization is going to help prep you for the subsequent pregnancies. Excellent. All right. What about prepping for a VBAC? Yeah, prepping for a VBAC, the biggest thing I think you can do to prep for a VBAC is really know your providers. Your providers are either going to be really supportive of a VBAC or actually not. Most providers are going to say that they're supportive of a VBAC, but what we know from stats is most hospitals make people have their baby at 39 weeks. But what we know from other stats is most babies don't come until 40, 41 weeks. Mm So really making sure that your hospital is on board with you going all the way to 40 or 41 weeks, I think is a is either going to make you super successful or not. And again, making sure that not your not just your provider, but the people if you were to happen to have somebody else in the practice that they're supportive of it as well. And then sometimes hiring a doula in that situation so they can kind of be your advocate. Yeah. Let's talk about packing for the hospital. Like, is there any, like, what are the necessities that you think, like, what would you put in your bag? Yeah. So a couple of things that probably people don't think about are compression garments. I always like to, um, I'm a big fan of the Bay Bay postpartum undies and pants. Those were designed by a PT, but just like uh, any type of injury, you know, like the ACE bandage where you want to wrap it tight. Mm-hmm. You want to wrap this area tight, but it has some mobility in it. Like I do not like the abdominal binders that have Velcro and are really tightening you up. If it yeah. sounds too good to be true, you ain't it probably is. <laughs> Let me tell you, like there's no such thing as coming back after a baby. So having compression garments in that hospital bag, also bringing your breastfeeding stuff to the hospital. So like the little pillow that you'll breastfeed on, I like to bring a rolled up towel or you could use one. I just like don't like the hospital ones, but you mm-hmm. could use a rolled up towel to help elevate the baby towards breast. Feeding in those hospital beds is really hard sometimes. So sometimes I suggest getting out of the bed and using like a hard chair on the, in the side of the room can be more advantageous so your legs aren't long in front of you. Honestly, you really don't need much in the hot. Like I feel like yeah, you really don't. Honestly, overpack to be quite yeah. honest. Oh yeah, um, yeah. You don't need much. And then we suggest to a lot of people take our guides with them because we give them tips on how to like kind of reconnect with these areas. So with breathing, with those like abdominal or um, contractions, and then some guidance about h- how and when to walk. Excellent. Okay. Now, worth it to get an exercise ball for pregnancy or labor prep. I'm assuming for just, you know, like at home, do you think it's necessary to have one? I would think if you sit for work, yes, because you can get your pelvis moving in a lot of different Mm. positions. But if you do something where you're not sitting all the time for work, then you could probably do it without. Okay, let's see here. Recommendations for incontinence issues a year postpartum. Yeah. So the first thing is really figuring out why you're having incontinence. So the pelvic floor is always blamed for incontinence, but it can be so much more than the pelvic floor. So starting at the pelvic floor, your pelvic floor can actually be tight. 
and not weak. A lot of people think that um, pelvic floors are weak and that's what makes people leak, but most of the time they're actually too tight. So working on breathing, relaxing that area, also working on having proper bladder habits. So making sure that we've not trained our bodies to go all the time just because Mm -hmm. we have to schedule intervals for peeing, like every two to four hours, getting our bladder to kind of do some of the work itself. And then also starting to link it more functionally. So like my right shoulder works with my left hip. So working on exercises that are going to strengthen those planes or for people that are losing urine, my groin works with the opposite oblique. So really doing like a crunch with something in between your legs to kind of support that area. So there's some forced closure over that sphincter. So you're not losing your urine. Okay. Great tip. Okay. So this one, this one's cute. I've used their program for four years and they're really great. I just wanted to tell you. So that's about you guys. I I felt like a bit like a little dog in the kennel in Kentucky, you know, where you're just bred over and over when I had my babies. (laughs) I feel like I flipped my own program for five years. Pregnancy, postpartum, pregnancy, postpartum. Oh my gosh. So I'm going to ask you two questions I ask everybody that's on. The first question is, if you could give one piece of advice to mamas, what would it be? It could be about anything. I think be kind to yourself. This is such a hard, hard, hard period. You can't do it all. So being very kind to yourself, relying on other people. I know that's two pieces of advice, but really asking for help. I thought during my first two that I could do everything and it's just not possible. It literally takes a village and everybody does it is not as put together as it looks on social media. So it's, it is so true. Nobody looks like that all the time. Yeah, (laughs) no, and and they don't. And I, I also will throw in there that social media, you know, people think it's great because it gives you all these like tips and tricks, but there's a limitation to that because our brains were not, you know, meant to absorb like, you know, mountains and mountains of extra material and information per day. It's, it's extremely overwhelming and you can screenshot and you can save and you can nine times out of 10, you're not going to go back to that screenshot. (laughs) Your brain just becomes like inundated with information. So like just picking and choosing, you know, if you love to like get some information, I think that's great. And I think just kind of like narrowing it down to literally a few, like a couple of like social media accounts that you really, really find informative and helpful is really great. But yeah, you're, you're totally right on with that. So second question is, what is a dinner that you could make that's pretty quick and easy that everyone in your family would eat? Um, asking my husband to make food. I literally <laughs> punting, punting, <laughs> punting, dude, punting. I'm not a cooker. Um, I love <sighs> but when my husband's mad at me, I literally go to this nice little local place that makes organic food, and I get myself a bunch of meals from there. It's like a fancy TV dinner. Wrong question. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so you're so funny. I haven't had that answer yet. Like punting it to somebody else. I think that's genius. Like, yeah. oh, well, I, I mean, if you're if looking you for something quick and easy. That I cooked, that would be an easy answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That is hilarious. Crystal, this was awesome. Thank you for taking the time to come on. And I hope you have a great day. 
You as well. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. All resources mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes on lindsayandco.com. To continue these important conversations, head over to Motherhood Meets Medicine on Instagram. Let me know what you learned from this episode and who you would love to hear from next. I always love getting feedback from you. If you're finding value in this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend. This will help us to reach even more women from around the world. I'll catch you next week. Until then, don't forget to find some time to unplug, unwind, and have a little fun. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.